Have you, Have you ever wondered, wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Good morning, John. Good day to you. How are things going? Going well. With this discussion for this morning about desire and want and acquired taste, it's interesting because desire sometimes comes from a place of pleasure. And then sometimes desire comes from broke a place of brokenness to gain pleasure. And I'll explain a little bit. Like <clears throat> when you're a kid and the first time you, you get that piece of candy or that really sweet uh, tasting thing that you get it once and then... It's like, man, that tastes good. I like that. So you're, you're, and then you get it again and man, I really like that. And then you do that. You build to a point of desire and desire is really something that you build to. You don't just instantly desire something rather than what you do is you desire things by acquiring a taste for it by wanting the thing that you're going for and then through repetition of doing it you acquire a taste and then after you acquire a taste you determine whether it's something you're going to desire or not um and i'll bring up like the thing that we've talked about here before about when i did the the test on seeing if you could change your mind on something and I, cause I didn't like the seltzer waters and then I started to drink them and I started to change my mindset on, I, well, okay, I like this. I have not made the seltzer waters a desire. Uh, I can drink them now. And I don't mind them. And I like them. But that's not my go-to. I, I don't desire the uh, seltzer waters. Because it's not my, oh, man, I just, every time that's what I'm going to drink. I'm going to drink this. I'm going to drink the, the seltzer water. A lot of times with water, you know, people can drink water and it's not a it's not a big thing, but they don't desire to and because they don't desire to, 
then they don't stay hydrated because they don't realize that, you know, that you really, if whatever you're going to do, you do it consistently. And the things that you long for are the things that you desire that, man, I just, uh, that, that soda, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be desiring one specific brand. It could be, but it does, it could be just because you like that sweet with the carbonation and the way it tastes and the way it feels going down. And so you'll drink that, that will be your go-to whatever you, you grab off the, the uh, shelf at the grocery store I know in some countries you don't have this, so you don't have the soda, but just using that as a, an example that I would say that out of all uh, drinks, I desire soda because of the sweet. Now, is that good? No, it, it, not necessarily. So you even when you desire something, you don't want to have it all the time you you want to balance it because it's not you know soda is not the best thing for you you know water really is the best thing for you and if you want you can desire to drink water or whatever it is you do but it is an acquired taste and desire is acquired now it it can move pretty quickly but it also can move pretty slowly. And sometimes you don't even realize what you're desiring because the desire comes from deep within your heart, the, the, your subconscious, the core, that you don't realize that you're desiring to be accepted and therefore you're, you go into a people-pleasing mode where you're trying to do anything and everything to get people to accept you. And when people reject you, that just makes you that much more upset. And you don't even realize that your desire is to be accepted, but you're doing everything you do to be accepted. And again, this is why it's so important for us to know what's in our subconscious And to do that, we have to continually dig. We have to continually get down in the the lower conscience and uh, bring things up so they're in our mind. And then when we see them in our mind, then we decide whether we're going to keep them or whether we're going to get rid of them. Uh, That's the process of knowing and being able to have mind control is that you are able to control your lower conscience because you know what's in there. And now we have tons of stuff. We don't know everything that's in our subconscious, but we have been, because we've been practicing this, we have been learning more and more how to dig in. And then when we see something in the subconscious that we didn't see before, we make a decision. Is it appropriate or is it not? If it's appropriate, we keep it. We make sure we're handling it uh, from a, that it's in there from a right perspective. And if it's not appropriate, we get rid of it. We throw it away because it's not good. And we didn't just start out desiring to dig into the subconscious. As a matter of fact, your mind, 
uses your subconscious to for yourself for self-preservation because your mind doesn't want you to have to think about the, these things. And therefore, your, your subconscious decides that, well, it's just going to do these things without you consciously knowing it. And the, this aspect of desire is important when it comes to faith things. And in essence, you have to break towards that which you're going to desire. Even even the good things, even the things that feel good, you have to, wow, I've never had that before. Okay, well, I just broke to the fact that I never had that before. And, well, I want that again. And then you go after it. And as you repetitiously go after it, you want it more and you want it more and you want it more. Uh, and those things get to a point where you desire it to the point that you can't control it. And I could put this to uh, sexual activity. It's the same thing. You know, you get that pleasure and then you go after it and you get that pleasure and you get that pleasure, you get that pleasure. And then you, it becomes a point where in your subconscious, you're desiring it. And you don't realize how much that you're pursuing that thing that you desire, even though it only makes up 1% of your life, you think about it more often than you do it. That, that's a fact of it. You, you spend more time thinking about it than you do doing it. Why? Because that's what desire is. Desire puts you in a position of wanting that I want this, but then after I... Actually, the wanting puts you in the position of desire. You you want something. Oh, man, that tastes good. I want more of that. And I want more until it builds to. Now it's a desire that I'm willing to do. You know, I'm willing to get up at uh, midnight and go out to the store and get a bottle of soda because I just I, I just have that desire for that taste. Uh, and that's so you get up, uh, get in your vehicle and you go drive and you go get it. Or nowadays with the, all the delivery things that they have where you'll, you'll spend this much for the food and then almost half as much or more to have it delivered to you. And why? Because your desire is, I just want to sit here and I don't want to have to worry about going out in public and doing all this stuff. I just, I just want them to bring it right to me. And man, it's just so great when they bring it to me. And then, and the more you do it, the more you do it. I mean, just like anything, the more you, you get attached to sugar, the more you'll eat sugar, the more you get attached to uh, sexual activity, you will pursue more sexual activity. Why? Because it's the things that are uh, being a desire and part of the problem is, is like I said uh, just a minute ago, the things that you desire that are in your subconscious that you've programmed in there from the past that you don't recognize are there, that you don't know. And then what happens is because you desire this thing, whatever it is, you have heartache and struggle and strife. And you don't recognize 
that that suffering is coming because of something you desire in your subconscious and you sit there and you whine and complain about all the things that are going on in your life and why is my life like this and this isn't fair and I shouldn't be like this and why am I suffering and why am I struggling like this without taking it back to the sacrifice in desire that when you desire something you will sacrifice and you don't realize that because you want to be accepted that you go through the struggles of doing uh, things that you, you typically wouldn't do or couldn't do. You're, you're attempting to do them to make it pleasing to other people. And that's bringing suffering to you because, well, they're not accepting it or they're not seeing it. And well, I don't like this. And, but you don't realize that you're being driven by the desire to be accepted. And that's driving you to have this, uh, struggle and strife and not saying that if you don't desire something that all, all the struggles going to go away. No, cause well, the reality is, is that you're going to desire something. You, you're, why do people remain in sin? Because they desire sin. Why? Because it feels good or because I, I like it. I don't want to have to change or, you know, whatever. And it may not be a conscious thing that they're thinking from that perspective, but a subconscious thing. And so when we look at desire, desire is something that is built. It's not instantaneous. And you do it over repetition over time. And if you're not paying attention with your conscious mind, then you're going to be put in that position where you desire something that is causing you struggle and strife. Think about it. The aspect of uh, sexual activity when you desire that you 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 have that feeling and then you desire it and you desire it and you desire it then you're desiring it so much then you get rejected well then you get resentful because well that's the struggle and the 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 uh, avenue of pain that's going to come to you is that you, you, well, you're going to get rejected at some point, or you're going to feel rejected. It may not even be intentional. You're going to feel rejected. And then when you feel rejected, then you get resentment. And then as that resentment builds, you build anger. And then you end up having this struggle all because of your desire for that sexual feeling without recognizing that that's what's happening because you go after it more often than you realize because it's, you think about it and this isn't everybody. I, I would speak from this perspective. I, I, I'm not a woman and I'm not, uh, I won't speak from their perspective on this one, but from a man's perspective, that's pretty much the, the way it is now, again, from the main general sense, not, I'm not going to put a complete blanket on it because not everybody's exactly the same. But it is huge and important that we look at and we recognize that desire is a part of faith. It's something that you have to uh, you you have to work at in order for you to taste that the Lord is good. You you have to go from obligation to doing what you're doing to 
convincing yourself that that's what you want, and then you taste that the Lord is good. And then when you taste that the Lord is good, now you have an opportunity to start building that desire for the things of God. So, Sean, how about some thoughts from you this morning? Absolutely zero thoughts. So we'll just stop. No, I'm kidding. Just like Yah does with everything that they do, there's order. Because Yah is not a God of chaos, but as their word says, they're a God of order. And here's the the order of how this works. Like, want, desire, life, or death. And it goes, and you can reverse this depending on which, how you come about this. You cannot want something that you don't like, meaning let's say I've never in my life had molasses cookies because I just texted Cindy and we were talking about that. Never tasted them. So how could I want those? And now I could look at that and say, hey, I, I think I would want that. Well, I go to it. Hey, I, I like the look of that. So I take it and then yeah, I want to try that. And then I taste it. And then I determine, do I want this or not? Well, I do want it. Okay. Well, nah, I don't want it. Okay. Then desire is the opportunity for desire is cut off. Oh, I really like it. Man, I really like it because the desire part is a deep rooted want. And, and we can look at this from an aspect of Yah's creation with the physical to go the spiritual that when you take a seed of any kind of plant, in order for the plant to grow, the seed has got to break open. You've got to plant it into the ground. And when you mentioned the broken part, it made me think of when you, I'm, for example, you set your mind that I'm going to desire whatever it is. Let's say I'm going to desire playing the trumpet. Well, I've got to get that planted and it's got to be, I've got to convince myself that I'm going to desire playing trumpet and well, I don't know. I don't have time. It's hard. And no, I'm going to desire this. And you, you have to convince yourself that you're going to do it. Then when you keep, you convince yourself, you can get that seed planted. And when it breaks, then we can start to move on it. Cause as you were talking, I was like, wow. So Yah's given us this in creation that the seed has got to die so that it can live. So you plan it just like I'm going to desire this and, and no, I'm going to go after it. And then it breaks and you're like, Oh, wow. I didn't realize that that's what I'm going to do. Okay. So now you can start breaking open, but the, when the seed breaks open, we don't have virtuoso trumpet. No, we have, Oh, I'm starting to practice 30 minutes a day. And then, Hey, yeah, man, I'm making progress. All right. And then it's, 40 minutes and then it's an hour and then it's two hours and then it's two hours on Monday and then it's two hours on Wednesday and then it's, and you start building and that tree, that plant grows and you can only produce fruit from that, which you desire because it goes in the order of creation. You don't get the fruit first. And then because what's inside the fruit, the, the start of the process, again, the seeds are in the fruit. So even with Yah's creation, we have the aspect of this. And you spoke to this as well. This isn't just for, we can, the ultimate of this 
of what Yah is bringing out is the spiritual aspect of faith in them. But we go the reverse of this too, okay? Because you talked about the sexual. You you take your mind now to where I don't desire this anymore. And then you take the process of cutting the tree down and uprooting the tree. So the process, you can reverse engineer this because I don't desire sexual immorality anymore. I desire sexual morality, which is the right way. And then the lower conscience will know. The lower conscience says, no, you desire sexual immorality. And I say, no, I do not desire that anymore. And then you have to reverse the process. And this is a huge thing because this is how you come to faith in God. You do not desire God at first. And that's why that Yah knows this, obviously, because they made this. That's why you're under the law first, because you've got to have opportunity to choose if you're going to desire God or not. Because if we were just born, like, and we've had this discussion before, well, why didn't God just make us, why didn't they just make us to where we would just be obedient to them, but then we would be robotic, we would be similar to the AI that we just, we're just programmed just to, just to walk in their ways. And why do we have sin? And why do we have the struggle? Well, it's because what is your desire? Because the word says this in the book of James, and there's two sides to this. When desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, meaning the fruit, it brings forth death. Well, that's for the sin part. But when desire for God is conceived, it brings forth righteousness. And when righteousness is full grown, it brings forth eternal life. So your choices, our choices determine life or death. We have to be obligated, like you said, first, because we have to be bound to God. Well, the law binds us to sin. The written code of God binds us to sin. The spirit of the law binds us to the righteousness. So your desire, <clears throat> our desire at the beginning is I want to escape punishment. I don't want to go to hell. I, I really don't want to go to hell. Okay, well, but that's the purpose of the written code to bring wrath. But it's uh, it, the intention is for you to make a decision. Do you want the things of God or do you want the things of your own selfishness? So it, j just through the process of the seed and the creation, Yah is showing us that there's a an order to this that you just don't wake up one day and you desire God, that it doesn't work that way because you have to build desire for God. But if you don't know the ways of God, then you cannot have a acquire a taste for them. You can't want it, desire it, fulfill it. And they know that. And that's why there, there's a process to what we do is that, for example, listening to the podcast, well, I'm going to listen to the podcast and I'll get everything and I'm saved. Well, no, it's information so that you can make a decision. One, do I like this? Do I want this? Am I going to build a desire for it? And then ultimately make it my life because this is, I'll share this. This is something that Yah gave to us that they told us that they hate obligated compliance. They didn't say, and meaning that they hate you doing something because there's something owed to you, indebted to you. And if you do this, then you'll give me this. Like there's something tied to it that why you do it. 
they didn't say that they hated compliance. It's obligated, meaning that what's pleasing to them is they want you to comply, meaning to do what is right, because it's your desire to do what is right, not because you feel like you have to do it because God says it. You must do it if you have faith in God, but the transformation is I'm doing this because it's what's pleasing to God to transfer into. I'm doing it because it's what I want to do, meaning that I take ownership of the truth of God and make it my own, even though it's God's truth. Yah wants us to make a decision to make it our own, <clears throat> meaning that this is what I want to do because it is right to do to where that's my will now, not because well, I have to do it because it's God's will. No, I'm doing this because I agree with this. It's right to do. This is what I want to do. And I'm, my desire is to do what is right, not because I'm owed anything, not because I'm going to get a reward. And that's the transformation. But we'll start there because you can't pass from death to life because a life of obligation to the law of God ends in death, but a life of willful submission to Yah leads in eternal life. And it's just a, it's a transformation. But if you don't understand how the process works, then you're just going to go through. And for example, you'll just make statements on what you're going to do. But if you don't have a break, then the seed of whatever you want can't break open for you to actually, for it to grow into a plant and then a tree and then ultimately the fruit. And that's the fruit of the spirit, which the fruit of the spirit, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, long suffering, self-control, that that's a tree, but that's planted. And it's all about enabled to, for you to, for us to have that fruit. It's gotta be a desire that you're in the tree of life, that you're producing fruit because that's your desire. Now it's not, you're not living your life anymore for the will of self or selfishness, you're living for the will of God. So Messiah comes along for us to be able to transfer to where we can now have the godly as our desire, not our own self. And that's the thing is that's why you don't, people want to take you right to Messiah and get saved. Well, you're taking it to the desire first and you can't do that. You've got to take it back to the very beginning, seeking with all your heart <clears throat> to go through the process to get it to be a want then a desire, <clears throat> then your actual lifestyle. So as I was just sitting here, this is a process that you've got to practice and it's going to take time, but yes, you can go through it quicker with depending on how, how much your desire is as to how quickly you're going to uh, move in something. So those are my thoughts to start. Well, and I ask you this question you can answer. Yeah. Um, so tell us, give us a little, uh, insight into what that scripture meant by uh, when desire is conceived, the conception of desire, what, you know, what does that mean? You have to start out with, you've got to make up your mind that you want something and that you're going to desire it. Like you have to set your mind that I'm going to desire this because that's where it's going to get planted. Like you've got to plant the want. So when it's conceived, that's when you make up your mind that I'm going to to desire this, that that's your starting the conception process, just like a child that when a child is conceived, you're not a full grown adult yet. You're 
and people and a lot of people, and we're not going to get into this, but people will say that, well, it's not a child. It's just a blob or no. When, <clears throat> when a child is conceived, they're an eternal being that when, right when it starts, right when the sperm and the egg, they meet and it starts a process that they, a soul is created and you cannot not exist. And this was verified with Yah that you do not non-exist once you exist always into existence so the conception is you making the decision that you're going to do it and then the more that you do that and no i'm not doing that i'm going to desire this then you start the conception process and the more you practice it through repetition then the the desire starts growing and growing and then once it gets full grown then that's what you do in your lower conscience. That's the programming I was looking for is that the right things to do are automatic. You don't think about them in your conscious mind. You just start being at your lifestyle. And that's what eternal life is, is that it's your, your very being is righteousness, but you have to conceive it first and it has to start growing and it's got to grow to maturity. And that's the gospel message that you start the conception process at seeking with all your heart. And then the conception process goes to believe God and then believe in God and then repentance and then obedience and trust. So you start growing that desire because it's not that you're fully grown and then you desire the things of God. No, you start the desire process. And when desire is fully grown, like once you're perfected, then you enter into the kingdom and now your, your will is to be with God. But so as you're growing, the circumcision of the heart is the, the opportunity where you can move on to maturity because you've got what you need now to get the things into your heart to build desire because sin has been taken away. So it, it starts as a conception. So you making the decision that you were going to desire something starts the process of the desire conception. And then the desire has to build to maturity. So you don't get maturity, just snap of a finger in faith. It's, it's a process. Now you can, people can move through the process quicker because it's a spiritual process. We're not saying, all right, you've got to wait 40 years because the oak tree has got to grow into maturity. But the, the physical that Yah gives has given us a spiritual understanding that you've got to acquire the taste first. You've got to plant the want and the want has got to break and then it's got to break open so that desire can start being growing into the growing process. So you can, as this is coming to mind, look at the process of fruits and vegetables growing to where you can look at the, the like, the want, the desire. And then ultimately, as the scripture says, when it's fully grown, when it's mature, just like a mature adult, you're either going to be walking death or you're going to be walking life. So in essence, the journey starts with receive, Believe, conceive. So you receive the truth of God. You believe the truth of God. Then you believe in it, which is the conception, the, the beginning of it. So, and again, just correlating this to the seed, that the conception would be the, okay, when, when that seed's, breaking open because with faith with this true faith in God you have to break in order for you to have it you you can't just there has to be a complete break so you have to recognize one like for somebody 
from Christianity to be able to come to the full truth of God and really any other religion that they have to break in order for them to be open. See, the, the breaking the, of the seed opens it up so that then the sprout can start to grow. If there's no break, then there's no sprout. That seed doesn't open, and therefore it's just a, a dud. It's no good. It's, it's wasted. It's seed that's uh, tossed out but didn't grow <clears throat> because you have to have that break and so for us to just go to people in Christianity and just tell them they're wrong and try to convince them that what we're doing is right, it, it's of no avail. And we saw that with the Methodist minister that, that came. She didn't come broken. She came curious. That, that was the difference. She didn't come broken. If she came broken, she, the outcome would have been different uh, than her just uh, leaving and not, uh, not communicating anymore, not coming back. So there wasn't a break away from what she already knows. And in her life, she knows Christianity from that Methodist perspective, and that's all she knows. But until she breaks, until she recognizes that, you know what? I'm seeing that this doesn't line up with the Bible, that, and that's not correct. It's wrong. I'm going to figure this out. Okay, now you have a break that, that, start you on the journey, but don't come out of the blocks all fire and going to tell everybody this because you're just that, that seed on the rocky ground that's going to, you know, it, it sprouts up real quick, but then it's going to be, uh, it's going to die off because that's not the avenue. The avenue is to be in good soil and let it, let it work its way through the soil before it breaks through and then starts to grow into that full plant um, because desire is that point where you know, I, I want this, I'm going to have this, I'm going to do this, and then it's going to take time. See, in this world, as a kid is born in this world they're exposed to sin and as an infant they're a sinner but they're not choosing to sin because they don't know the right from the wrong they haven't had that age of accountability so they're not there's there's no intention behind it but once they know and then once they they decide that they're going to choose to sin then that uh, it's given birth, that, that desire, because it feels good or whatever you get from it, is conceived. That desire is conceived, and then as they grow and they continue to do those things, they build that desire so that when that desire is full-grown, they're a full-grown, full-blown sinner, and that's what their desire is. And as long as you are a sinner and you continue to sin, that's what your desire is. You can say with your conscious mind and you can, you can say things with your mouth, but if you still sin 
and you're not getting away from sin and you're you're getting to a place of not sinning, then you desire sin in your subconscious. I'm not going to say that it's a conscious thing that these people are recognizing that it's sin and I'm going to, this is what I desire to do. No, it comes from a place of them not being taught appropriately how to get to that place where you can conceive righteousness and that righteousness can become full grown to circumcision of the heart. When it's full grown, you have that righteousness that, that you are right before God. And therefore you, you don't have sin and there's no sin in your heart. But if you know you sin, then there's sin in your heart. And if there's sin in your heart, it's there because it's what you desire. It's because it's in your lower conscience. And that's the thing that people don't recognize is that everything everybody does, everything has a reason within your subconscious. Some things you may know consciously why you did it, but you have a lot of things that you don't know why you did it because you don't see everything in your subconscious. And this is why we want to dig in so we can see it. And then once we see it, we can decide whether it's appropriate. And if it's not appropriate, we do what you're talking about, about reverse engineering, taking the desire in the opposite direction that I do desire this thing. I didn't know I did. I recognize now that I do. And so, no, now I'm going to reverse that process. I'm going to break and say, no, I don't accept this anymore. This is not okay. I'm not going to be like this. And then you start that process of growth. But without that breaking open, the seed is useless. The seed is dead because it has to have that, that it has to receive the moisture. Then it has to open up to, to believe. And then as soon as it starts to grow, it's conceived. But nothing is full grown at conception. It, it takes time. Uh, for you to continue to build that and you have to do it by continually uh, convincing yourself that this is right and this is what I'm going to do. This is what I desire. And you do that repetitiously until it actually does become full-grown desire. And when it's full-grown desire, you don't have to uh, you don't have to egg it on anymore. It's already set that no, this is what I want. And then something else comes up. You're like, no, I don't want that. That's not what I desire. This is what I desire. And so there's a, there's a uh, process in the midst of it uh, along the way. And so we want people to understand that one, you have to break, okay? I cannot and it, we're not just talking Christians. Okay, we're talking to anybody in the world. We're talking people who don't care about God at all. We're talking about people who have the faith of Islam or the faith of a uh, Hindu or w whatever it is that they have or they don't have. You have to have a brokenness of recognition that I'm wrong and 
God is right, and I need to figure this out, so I'm going to just spend time talking to God and pleading with them to show me, to help me to understand so I can make the changes necessary for life. But if you don't break, and it doesn't matter whether you're atheist or whether you profess any other religion, you have to break from that because your desire is already set in what it is. Your desire is set in the Christian religion or your, your desire is set in the Muslim religion or your desire is set in the atheism, the, the rejection of God, or your, your desire is set in the Gnostic where you're trying to be saved. Well, I'm not going to say there's not a God, but I'm not going to say there is, so I'm going to try to play the middle ground. And it's until somebody breaks for God, none of what we talk about on this podcast, every single one of the the things that we've talked about will do no good. And this is the message out there to anybody and everybody who has listened to this podcast who might agree or who does agree with what we're saying. Don't do it because you agree with what we're saying. Don't do it because it's logical. Don't do it because the Bible says to do it. Don't do it because God says to do it. Do it because you've recognized, you've had that broken, and you've gone through the process of figuring out that, no, I am broken. I'm not just going to trust what Phil and Sean are saying. I'm going to see, is this what I'm doing? And if it is, I don't want to be like that. I'm going to change this. That's the only way it's going to benefit anybody because our words, you and I are nothing. The truth that comes out is something only if you use it and apply it from the right perspective. And if shame on us, if we expect people to just believe what we're saying and act on it instead of, no, verify the information with God, verify it with the reality of truth. Because that's what will let people be set free from other religions and atheism and Gnosticism and all those different things. But they have to want it. They have to break. And that's why we don't go standing out on the street corner and just yelling out to people. And, you know, like uh, uh, like the uh, the guy in the park that when we were walking in the park and we're walking by and he's just in the Santa Claus suit and yelling out the Merry Christmas. And of course the thing that came to my mind to say was, I don't think so. And of course he was like, well, I hope that'll change. I hope that'll change. And it's like, no, that's not going to change. Cause I'm not breaking back to that. I was there at one time, but I will say this as far as that guy's concerned, because the next time we came around, he didn't do what most, most people would do. And just, okay, they don't want to, all right, I'm just going to Merry Christmas them again, and I'll do it again every time they come by. But he didn't do that. He, he, we walked by, he didn't say a word. And of course, that's why on the third lap, I stopped and I told him, I said, I, I appreciate that you're, uh, that you didn't do that, that a lot of people would have. And I just appreciate, and that was it. I didn't go into trying to tell him what he was doing was wrong or why it was wrong or anything like that. Because again, if people don't recognize what they're doing is wrong, if Christians don't recognize that celebrating Christmas is wrong, then they can't change it. If they don't recognize that celebrating Easter is wrong, they can't change it. They have to break to that. Wow. God never said 
none of these celebrations that are happening are a part of God's word. God never said to celebrate these things. God said to celebrate the feast that he laid out in Leviticus. And so that's what I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate that. But if you don't have that break, go ahead and do what you're going to do. God's going to, uh, he's going to settle it out in the end. And, but we, we, if we shove it down people's throats, what good is it? It's no good because they're just going to push back because they're locked in and convinced that what they're following is what they desire. And you cannot change somebody else's desire. Only they can. They can conform to something that somebody tells them to do. You go to a job, you can conform, but they cannot make you desire to have that job or to do the things that they want you to do. You can conform to it, but you don't desire. And conformity does not work with God. Yes, when you desire the things of God, you will conform to the things of God. But if you're doing it just to conform without the desire, then. I was just, that's the obligation is conformity without desire. Well, right. It just, just came to mind. Right. And I, I'm, I'm glad you kind of like lifted your eyes so I could go ahead and uh, add the, the uh, understanding within that of that perspective. But that's the thing. And this is why, you know, this podcast, it's invasive. It's not, it's not there. If somebody wants to listen to it, they listen to it. If not, they don't listen to it. We're not going to take it and we're not sending it to a whole bunch of people really the distribution that we've had of this coming through the, uh, obviously through the Podbean uh, platform, but mother's the one that's putting this out there. Mother's the one that's deciding where it's going to go. Mother's the one that reaches somebody in the Arab Emirates that we're not intentionally going out there or somebody in Canada or the UK or all over the United States. They, I think it's like uh, 47, 48 of the 50 states um, that people have listened. And if you don't want to listen to this and you don't agree with what we have, then don't listen to it. it it's going to do you no good anyway. It's only going to do good if you've been broken. If you break like with Christianity, like we did, there was a recognition that there's something wrong here. And they, they, what they're doing doesn't line up with what the Bible says, and I'm not okay with that. And for me, that was I had a break of that. I was like, no, I'm going to figure this out. I have to because I want to be in the kingdom of God. And therefore, that was the conception of my desire for the things of God. But that couldn't happen until I finally recognized I received the information and I believed the information from God and then it conceived until until somebody does that then us pushing anybody to do anything is is no good it's same thing with a couple of years ago with my son that had the uh, that online relationship and we're trying to explain to him uh, the things that why he shouldn't be uh, messing around with this and it's it's not even a person or whatever it is and he just kept digging in and being more adamant in what he was doing because we were trying to 
change his desire. And it wasn't until he had some realizations and he changed his own desire that he was able to do that. Now that I did it at that point, but that was a huge lesson for me that I broke in the aspect of you can't force anybody to do anything. And if you try to, then they're just going to lock into that aspect of pushback that no, I'm, I'm not accepting what you say. Why? Because I haven't been broken to it. If I haven't been broken, there's nothing you can do. I, if I don't see that I need a doctor, I don't care if my arm is all twisted in a, a completely different direction that you know that it's broken and that I need a doctor. If I don't see it, if I don't recognize it, if I don't pursue the healer, then I can't have it. And, and nothing you say will convince me until I recognize that I'm broken. And that's what this, uh, this podcast really is for anybody who's broken, not just Christians. This, this is anybody in the world who's broken, who breaks to that. There's got to be something more. There's the, you, you know that there's that time when the atheist who claims there is no God is like, well, well, there's got to be something. No, that's just, that's just me thinking that. And they have opportunities to break. And this is the beauty part about God is God is leaving every single human being without an excuse, which means that whatever's in your life, whatever thoughts you have, whatever comes along, God is giving you ample opportunity to see and decide whether you're going to break for God or whether you're going to break and stay where you are or not break and stay where you are because you've already broken for wickedness and evil. And nobody will stand in the white throne judgment and be able to say, but God, I never knew. And then up on the big screen, God's going to say, do you see this time? And do you see this time? And then this time and this time and this time. And then how about this time and this time and this time and this time? And this one and this one and this one and this one. And that all happened within a month. Dude, shall we go on? So the, the, the beauty part about God is that they made everything uh, in their creation so that we're without excuse. What we choose, what we decide, what we desire is up to us. That, that's our free will choice. We get to choose whether we desire and stay in sin or we choose that we break away from sin and we reverse engineer the desire for sin to get rid of it and then we conceive the desire for righteousness and we fulfill it. And that's the whole objective in circumcision of the heart is that when you get to circumcision of the heart, you've fulfilled it, but we're not done because we have to continue in that direction. We can't just stop and say, well, I made it, it's done. No. And so this, I want people to know, if I leave anybody with anything that comes from us, is that this truth that we're giving, we're putting out there, is for the broken. It's for the one that recognizes there's a problem in their faith, that they want to make it right, and they're going to change. 
That is the only way it's going to help them. Anybody that looks at it says, wow, that sounds good. And yeah, that lines up with the Bible. And, and yeah, that's what the word of God says. So yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Not going to benefit them because they have to break first. You have that break and wow, wow. I didn't realize that that, that does make sense with this. And the Bible says this. And so I'm, I'm going to do this because it's right, not because it's logical, not because they said so, not because God asked me to, because that's obligation. I'm doing it because it's right, because that's what I want to do. That's how you become submissive to it. See, many people are submissive to sin, and it's what they've known their whole life, so it's easy for them to submit to sin. We want to be submissive to God's righteousness, which is the absolute removal of sin. And when you have the removal of sin, then we are submissive. We have no problem following the righteousness of God in the process that we go through. Share something that y'all brought to my mind that this goes all the way back to the creation of Adam and Eve. And I had not thought about this until now that just rolling this and verifying when Yah made Adam and then he took Eve out of Adam, or he took from a rib and, and brought forth Eve, that remember in the word where it says that do not eat, you may eat of any tree in the garden, but do not eat of this one because when you eat of it, you'll surely die. <clears throat> when you eat of it. And I was like, it, it, and I wasn't just consciously like, why? But it came to mind, why did God say, when you eat of it. And I, it was just like, wow. So because Yah made mankind corruptible, when the command was given that sin in the heart sprang to life, so that is the desire. So Yah knew, well, Yah was convinced, but from their creation, they, they would know when they saw it. They will eat of it because when the command came, sin sprang to life, and that is where the desire is. So sin was starting to come to life, and that's why when the tree was beautiful, and I want that, but wait a minute, didn't God say don't? No, but no, look at this, the fruit, and the, the sin, it starts building that desire, and it wasn't the action that was the sin, it was the desire that was in the heart. Sin has always been a desire is desire based. So that's why Yah will forgive sins in repentance because the desire is in the heart. The core of the heart is still sin, but in the mindset, you I'm going to desire the things of God. And then you fail. I'm going to desire the things of God. And because God sees that, and they know that that's what you're capable of, because you can't change the heart yet, like to get sin out of your heart. That's why they have mercy and they will give you forgiveness of sins because they know that they knew Adam and Eve that we know that your desire isn't for righteousness because you're ignorant. You don't sin is in sin is in your heart that that's what you're going to do that you don't they weren't like, oh, I'm not going to sin. It was just because the desire was building up and oh, this is what I want. And then when they ate of it, they realized they were naked. Oh, my gosh, I, I'm a sinner. I didn't see it. And they went and hid. And uh, what came to mind before that was, was about sin because we profess and we know that we don't because we have experience. <clears throat> we don't sin 
because the desire is to obey God and to do what is right. The desire is not to do selfish things. And that's the core of it is you've got to get away from the desire of sin. And that's what repentance does is the godly sorrow, which is the brokenness, brings repentance that leads to salvation. So you've got to break so that you realize I'm a sinner of wrong God. And what, just like with Peter and Acts, they were cut to the heart. They were broken. What must we do? Repent and be baptized in the name of Yeshua Messiah, and you'll receive forgiveness of sins, and then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So even back at the beginning, this just really, I was just like, wow, so Yah knew they were going to because that's where the, the sin and the heart was the desire. That's why they did it. It wasn't, oh, I'm going to do this because I'm going to disobey God. It, was, it wasn't intentional. It was out of ignorance. They didn't. They were just, oh, look, this, this no, I want this. This looks great. And the enemy is like, you're not going to die. Just go ahead and eat it to where that whole process started. And then now with Messiah coming, that his desire is for God and for righteousness. So we can become the righteousness of God in him because, and you mentioned this, when he came to that age, which isn't a figure, like it's not 20 years old, 30 years old. It's when you come to the realization, when there's that connection of choosing the right and the wrong, that Messiah chose righteousness. And that's the difference between us and him where he was made in every way, just like us. But he, at that point chose obedience, which is righteousness. We chose sin. And then therefore we came from the line because we were, we come from the line of Adam. Messiah was conceived by the spirit and Abba and Ema placed into Mary. So he has the blood of God within him that when his sacrifice was given, it was the perfect sacrifice for sin so that in him, when we die with him, buried with him in baptism, then we can have newness of life in him. But this goes all the way back to the beginning is that where, what is your desire? And that's the thing. Only with the help of God can you change your desire for sin, which is ultimately selfishness, to righteousness, which is not the removal of self, but self-ish. So love for God is you're doing the best for you, for God, for everybody, which ultimately is doing what is right. So even back at the very beginning, this was Yah's plan that because if they could have been righteous just by being obedient in the garden, then Messiah wouldn't have come. That there's a plan here that because we're going to make a way to where you choose us because it's your desire, not because, well, God said, so that's why I'm doing this. Well, yeah, that. I said it, and I'm going to test your heart. Are you going to be compliant or not? Well, okay, well, you choose to be compliant. Then I'm going to help you to get that desire into your heart so that you can be fully pleasing to me. It's not that we're not pleasing to God before circumcision of the heart, but be fully pleasing to them, which is you get sent out of your heart to where that's what we're looking for. We want we want our own special people that desire to do what is right. And that's what we're looking for. We don't want people to do it because they have to. Well, because your law says it, God, that's why I'm doing it. Well, it starts there. But even in Deuteronomy, it says, Yah says, Oh, if their hearts would be inclined to fear me and to keep my commands always. Well, because I want you to desire me. Because think about it. Wouldn't you rather be desired by somebody than somebody saying, Well, Philip, I'm liking you because I have to. I have to love you. 
Well, if you have to, don't love me because it's not genuine. Desire is the genuineness. No, Yah, I'm here to do your will, O oh God. Send me. I, I desire whatever you want. That's what I want because I want to do what is right. Oh, we can work with this. But because there are several circumstances in the Bible that have we seen anybody in the Bible that was submissive to God that says, I don't understand why you're doing this and this isn't fair and this isn't. No, well, y'all, whatever you want, that's what I'm going to do. You know, because we have a an instance of Saul, King Saul, that were you obedient to God? I was obedient. Oh, so it was obligation? It, you you just, well, I was obedient, but I just thought that God would. Yeah, but what y'all wanted is they wanted you to be submissive. They wanted you to do what they said because you, because you wanted to, not because you think you're going to gain something or you're going to better God's position. Or so I, I was just, I was hang hung on to that and then kind of put it aside but people need those listening realize that sin does not have its root in an action the action comes from the desire and that's the thing is if you if you're not at a place where you have circumcision of the heart done by a mother's hand then you still have the sin nature in your heart and that's ultimately your desire and you may say no i don't desire it but you can get away from the desire of it you can you can change your mind, but ultimately until that, it's one of those terms like you'll revert back to your ultimate desire, the core of what you do. There's sin there because that's what you desire. And that's what God wants us to do. The desire is, is that repent to me. Let me show you the way of righteousness so that you can then decide that you're going to desire this. And that will go well with you. That will bring eternal life. But that's the core of the whole thing that the 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 foundation of sin is the heart the core of the lower conscience so in order to get away from sin you've got to have circumcision of the heart because you've got to have that nature taken out of your heart and placed in the flesh right um but it is important for people to understand that the conception of the desire of the things of god comes at the the beginning meaning that when you decide to seek god with all of your heart correct desire is conceived now it cannot be full grown until you have circumcision of the heart but it doesn't mean that you can't because here's how it works in your conscious mind you have broken and you have set that you're going to desire god and in your conscious as far as it uh is in your conscious mind that you're going to uh, obey God's commands and walk in his ways as it pertains to your uh, sin nature, then the, the lower conscience, you're not capable of that until that stone is removed, the sinful nature is removed. So you're, you're, you don't have the fullness of it, but you conceive that at the beginning, at the seeking God with all of your heart, at the point you break and I'm going to seek with all of my heart because I recognize there's a problem. Can I, let me, oh, actually correct. I just got this, what, what I, I'll clarify what I was saying. That you can only, at the beginning of the faith journey, you can only have righteousness in your mind, in your upper conscience, because I'm, uh, because it could be perceived that well until that then i just keep sinning and i can't get away from it no you start the process of getting away from it at repentance because yah said in the old testament that circumcise your hearts 
So you're circumcising of your heart as you repenting to God. You've evaluated this. You are turning from sin in your mind. And that's the process of conceiving the desire not to sin, to be obedient to God. And God knows that. So even though the, the lower conscience has the sin nature in it, you're considered turning away from sin by God. And that's why they'll forgive your sins, because I see you've turned, you've turned, you've repented from sin, even though we know your nature, just like an animal, you still have like a dog nature in your heart, but you're doing everything you can do to circumcise your heart, to change your mind in steadfastness, to abandon sin completely. Therefore, that's why they give you the forgiveness, because they see that you're doing your part, that you want to escape this, but we know you're not capable yet in the fullness of it until later on with circumcision of the heart where you have freedom from that sin. So they agree with what Yah's bringing out. You you start the process of getting away from it. It's not just like, well, you're a sinner and you're lost until circumcision. No, it's that's why the forgiveness, but Yah can't remove the sin yet until circumcision of the heart, but they're not going to do that because they need to, sh- to see that it's your desire not to sin. That's why you can't go to Messiah first because Abba's going to test you to say, do you really desire to get away from disobedience? And when I see in your mind that you're steadfast in that, then I will bring you to my son. He will show you how to desire me and how to desire obedience for God. So it just, once again, y'all brings the order that they're looking for where your desire, what is your desire? Are you going to start the process of conceiving desire for us? Or are you going to stay in your desire for sin and your own selfishness? And if so, well, we'll just leave you alone because nothing we can do until you do that. So go ahead and continue. I just, that came to mind to just clarify what, what I'd spoken. Right. And it must become full grown through circumcision of the heart in order for you to enter into the kingdom of God. That that's an absolute, that is true. And just interject and that, I'm not going to say possibly be that that's because when it's full grown at circumcision of the heart, that's when you enter into the body of Messiah. So your embodiment here on this earth for us is where our, the body we carry, we are in Messiah, but we couldn't be in him because he's full grown and mature. He's perfected, but we're hidden in him because of no sin. And therefore, wow. So that's why when we walk here on earth, we're a new creation. It's not I that do these things, but Messiah who, who dwells in me and, and, and I don't know why I lost my, we and him and him and us. And interesting when you were talking about Adam and Eve in that scripture also had a scripture come to mind about the conception of sin and then the sin going to full grown and then producing death. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, and this also ties to the fact that man is without excuse because you'll see what God does in this in order to give the warning so that there's not an excuse. So we have the story of Cain and Abel and Cain. I, uh, when it came time to offer sacrifices, Cain offered the uh, first fruits of the ground where Abel offered the, uh, the, um, the animal sacrifice to God. And it doesn't say God didn't accept Cain's sacrifice. It says that God showed favor 
to Abel and his sacrifice. And there's reason behind that. God has reason for it, but I'm not going to go into that right now. The, the concept in this is that once that happened, once Cain's face became downcast, sin was conceived. Just like the scripture that you had brought out, uh, that sin is conceived. And then God comes to him knowing that sin was conceived. God comes to him and says, sin is crouching at your door. He says, one, you, you're, yeah, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. You must master it. So God's saying, okay, sin is conceived, but be careful. Don't let it master you. You have to master it. Well, he let it go to full grown to where, what did he do? He killed his brother. So now we had his desire conceived desire for sin, but God gave him a warning. So why is your head downcast? If you do what is right, you will be accepted. Sin is crouching at your door. Look, sin has just, just started its way in you. Don't let it get to full grown. So God gave him the understanding that you have to master this and he didn't master it. Is that God's fault? No, it's his fault because he chose not to listen to God, but rather do what he thought was right to do. And so in this story, you have Cain who uh, conceived sin at the moment he felt rejected and then he brought it to full the fullness of committing the murder of his brother. And people do this when they'll conceive a thought about somebody in hatred, and then they'll bro- they'll they'll bring it full grown when they attack them physically, verbally, emotionally, spiritually. They'll they'll do those things, and so it's it is a true concept that happens where it conceives first. And if you can catch it at the conception of it, it's not sin until it's full grown. So if you catch it at the beginning, then no, I'm reverse engineering that. No, that is not right. I'm not going to feel that way about my brother. I'm not going to do that. That is not appropriate before God. Okay. You've walked in righteousness, even though you had the thought, the thought is not sin. It's only when that becomes full grown where you carry it out in the hatred of your brother that you then are a sinner because it's full grown in that perspective. And each sin has a conception and then a full grown. And that's when you have the thought and then you carry it out. You have the thought and then you carry it out. And so it's really important that we recognize and we understand that God is, has not left anywhere for there to be an excuse for anybody who does not walk in their ways and follow their commands. Sin is crouching at your door. That's a message to everybody else. It desires to have you. That means that it's willing to do whatever it takes to get you. It desires to have you. You must master it. You must <coughs> desire righteousness. That will, and that righteousness 
enough to overcome the desire for sin. And so you have to acquire that taste to be in that condition that you're able to shun sin and accept righteousness. And that's the the process of circumcision of the heart is a continual shunning of sin, that you continue to shun sin, and then we continue to grow in that righteousness before God. And so that was just one of the scriptures that came to my mind. But I was also thinking about uh, the conception for the disciples. Was it possibly at the point when, not when they were called, but when Messiah had made the statement, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, and many left, and he said, are you going to leave us too? And they were like, well, Lord, you're the one who has the words of, of God. Where will we go? Who, who will we go to? So you have a conception of belief in the son, but it wasn't full grown until it was completed, uh, until he had departed and the spirit had come. Then it was full grown because until the spirit came, they couldn't have the circumcision of the heart. They could only have in their conscious mind that they were going to do these things that Messiah said to do, but they weren't able to carry it out in their heart until they had the sinful nature removed and the sinful nature couldn't have been removed while he was still here. They had to wait for him and then remember he told them stay in the city until I'm sending you the gift of the spirit, which is mother, that it was that day of Pentecost when those believers got their circumcision of the heart, that they received their circumcision of the heart and that that wind blew through and shook the whole house. Yeah, it shook it to get rid of all the uh, sinful natures that were connected. And so that was when they received their circumcision of the heart. And then you see that after that, immediately, they went from hiding to being bold and out uh, professing the truth of God in a moment. And so, I mean, because after that Pentecost, or at the the Pentecost, that was when 3,000 came to believe when Peter started speaking right after that had happened. So it was like a an instant thing that they received circumcision of the heart and that started their commission to preach the good news. And this is something we can discuss after the podcast. So I'm just curious if you know, do you know um, the word Pentecost? Like that has a meaning. Do you just, oh, do you happen to know that? I don't like, does Pente- what does Pentecost mean? Like, well, and we can look it up just offhand. If you knew, I was just curious. Cause you just said Pentecost. I was like, what does that mean? I, we could look that up uh, later. If yeah, you knew the, offhand, the actual definition of the word, I know what the concept of the Pentecost was, but as far as the definition of the actual word that they used, I'm not, I'm not sure uh, at this point. So I won't really speak to that perspective. That's fine. It just, I was just, if you remembered, but I had just, like you had had just a scripture come to mind with this when Messiah said about the disciples that all of you are clean, but one is not meaning Judas. And I just thought 
wow, the cleanliness is you're walking in repentance to God. That's your cleanliness, that you're clean, that you don't have circumcision of the heart yet, but you've said it in your mind that you're not going to sin, so therefore you have forgiveness of sins. You've been washed. And that's the thing is like when, when Yah gives the understanding, like you, you seek after and then Yah will give you the understanding and you verify it. It's like, there's just so many of their, of the word that just comes to mind where it just, just touches different areas on that. Cause as you were right before you even spoke it, that was just like circumcision of the heart, like with the day of Pentecost, because that makes sense that we're going to send the, the spirit is going to come. Well, how can she dwell in the people if you don't have the sorry meaning like she can dwell forever not that she couldn't come upon somebody but it is that's what started the ministry and then they were going out like stephen being stoned and that they were bold for god where th that's the thing that it gave them the ability to be able to go out and preach it unapologetically because they still have the struggle the fear and and all those things but with and just go back to something you said that with this I hadn't realized this is that you can you can give information to people but they've got to take the seeds or really the seed well ultimately the seed is messiah but the seeds which is the word of god like messiah says i'm the the one that's planting the seeds that if you've got hard ground that you don't want it it even says like the seed is just going to get the enemy like a bird is just going to come and take it away because ah you don't know what you're talking about and oop, it's gone or like, what is your mindset? Like, is your mind, what kind of ground is the seed getting in? If it gets in the good ground, then it can break open and start going. Like you have that. I just, I just, I want to know. I just, yeah, help me to see what I'm not seeing. And okay, well, you know, you, you begin the journey of faith by seeking with all your heart and uh, I'm receptive to this. Help me, you know, I'm willing to accept this, but if you reject it, it's just like you, you take, um, watermelon seed and you just we just dump it on concrete well we're just going to wait for it to grow well no it, it's hard it, it can't get in to even break open so the birds are just going to eat the seeds and and y'all just giving that parable of do you understand that you've got to take the word of god and you've got to get it planted and for it to grow into anything you can't just i mean that's with anything like you have a thought that comes in your mind well does the thought conceive something and grow into something or do you just get rid of it no i'm not going to think about it anymore so the the mind is because i'd, I'd ask y'all i was like y'all what is the ground because i was thinking or the soil like what's the soil part and it came to mind it's the mind that that's where you have to plant these seeds get it in a good mindset versus a bad mindset because it's got to grow in the mind and heart is where it's got to grow the seed of either the things of god or the things of the world are going to grow Right. And so from discernment perspective, I uh, we're in a position to be the sower of the seed. Mm -hmm. And the objective goal for us in discernment is to be paying attention to the one who's broken, the ground that is is broken, that is uh, plowed up like you see um, before they plant corn or before they plant uh, vegetables and stuff. They always run the plow and they break the surface and then they run it over it again and they you know they 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 want to get it good to receive the seed and so when we are teaching people or or we want to teach people which we truly do but we can't teach everybody there there are people who have that hardened ground that hasn't been cultivated it hasn't been uh plowed up 
and therefore they're not broken. And so if we cast a seed, we're just wasting seed. We're casting the pearls before the swine because we're wasting that seed because we're purposely throwing it on concrete. For what purpose? What, what benefit is it going to do but sit there and do nothing because it's not able to penetrate? Our objective goal when we are seeking people to speak the truth to is are they receptive to it? Has the ground been broken in order to receive the seed? And if it has been, then that's great. That seed will go in and then God will take over because we plant, I plant, you water, you plant, I water, but God brings the increase. God makes it grow. It's not us who make it grow. And so for many people who have heard this podcast, that if they've heard it in that broken soil, then they'll receive it. And when they receive it, they'll believe it. When they believe it, they'll conceive it. When they conceive it, then God will help it to grow. Not us. It's not anything of us just because we cast the seed, but we have a responsibility to make sure that we're casting the seed on fertile ground, that we're not wasting the seed of God, which is the son of God, Messiah. We're not wasting him on somebody whose heart is hardened that does not want to accept. That's why we don't go to the atheist and we don't go to the uh, Christian and we don't go to the Muslim. We, we want to people who know that they're broken, know that what they've been following is not right. And again, it's not that it's all not right. Some of what they've heard and some of what has been said in all religions, even in the concept of atheism, that there's some truth to it. That they just latch on to that little bit and then they hold on to all the rest that's not true. And it's really uh, important that we aren't running around, well, we're going to convert the atheist or we're going to, no. We want to see the one who comes in that says, you know what? Like Anna Ruth, God, I, I just, I just want to know who you are. Just throw me a bone. Give me something that that's the, the heart that says, I, I, I know that something's wrong. I, I'm going to do something different. I want your help. Okay. Now we can help. But if anybody's going to be healed, anybody's going to have faith, it can't come from us. And do the, the healing does not come for them from the outside in. It has to come from the inside out. So we plant the seed of Messiah. We plant the concept of the gospel message, the seeking with all of your heart, the repentance, the obedience, the trust, the going through that process. And then we plant that seed, but they have to let that seed grow within them and they have to do that by constant communication with God because God's the one that's going to bring the increase in that perspective. And so I want to talk a moment about the aspect of acquiring a taste because in essence, you acquire a taste for anything and everything. Just because you taste something once doesn't mean you've actually acquired the taste now, it may be you eat something sweet, and, oh, I like that. And I, but there are some people that sweet doesn't really, they, it doesn't do it for them. They, they like the salty. Uh, you have to acquire a taste, and 
God is an acquired taste. No question at all. The things of God, the truth of God is an acquired taste, which means that you have to decide that you don't care how it tastes, that you're going to uh, find out that it actually tastes good. And so you're going to learn to like the Brussels sprouts and the broccoli and the spinach and the green beans and the peas that you're going to uh, like those things. And then you have to go through a process of eating them in order to convince yourself that you like them. And then when you like them, you're not there because you have to get to where that is what you solely are going after for taste. Daniel, uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, when they were first uh, taken, that they they asked for the vegetation. Why? Because that's what their desire was. That's what they didn't desire to eat the meats and the the uh, wines of the king. They they desired the fruits and vegetables because that was what they desired to, or, or acquired a taste for, and. They continue to eat that, which was good. The, the concept is, is that what you eat that is good, that is beneficial for you, continue to do so. But when we, And same thing with faith. There, there's things in everybody's life from some sort of perspective that you can hold on to as a part of your faith. But you'll have to line it up with the truth of God but there's many things that you have to get rid of. And so along with acquiring a taste for the things of God, to be able to get to the point where the scroll is sweet in your mouth, that that you have to eat it over and over and over, and you have to convince yourself first that, no, I like this, no, I like this, until you actually start to like it. And then when you like it, no, this isn't enough. Uh, I'm going to continue to eat this until I, uh, until this is what my desire is. This is what I long for. And desire, desire, in order for you to desire something, that will, when you desire it, you will forego any struggle that comes along. You, or you, or you will embrace any struggle that comes along when you know that the outcome is going to be that which you desire. And many people do it from a worldly perspective in this world. Now, again, we've said that there are things that you desire in your subconscious that you don't know that brings uh, aggravation and agitation to you. And when you're feeling that way, not knowing why you feel like that, that's when you dig into your subconscious and figure out what am I desiring that's bringing this about? So I either decide that I'm going to continue to desire it, but I'm going to be okay with the struggle, or I want this struggle to go away, so I've got to stop desiring this thing. You could look at it from drugs, alcohol. I mean, there's many different areas we could look at it that, well, you like the drugs, but uh, because of the feeling, but you don't like the addiction or you don't like the, the way you feel in the aftermath. Like you, you're alcoholic and you drink and you drink and you drink and then uh, you feel good while you're drinking. But then when you have the hangover afterwards, you, you got to drink again. So you have that feeling instead of changing what your desire is 
because you have to change your desire to that. No, I don't want to have this feeling anymore. I don't want this feeling to be what I chase after. And I'm going to change. Okay, now you can start to reverse engineer that desire and take it back the opposite direction. Uh, but there's an importance that you you really have to break. And it's really would be good for you to look at the struggles that are in your life. And can you put those struggles to something that you're desiring? And <coughs> my bet is that if you dig deep enough, you're going to find out that the struggles that you don't like that are happening are happening because you're desiring something. And then when you recognize what it is you're desiring and what the struggles are, is the struggle worth the outcome of this desire? Then I either keep it or I break to it. No, this isn't, this isn't right. This isn't appropriate. I don't like this. I'm going to change this desire. Well, you change that desire and it's going to take time, but you, you start the process of reverse engineering that desire to where it goes from desire to hatred. Well, once it gets to hatred, then the struggles for that perspective will go away. But you'll have other struggles that the objective goal is that you dig into those struggles to figure out what am I desiring that I should or shouldn't be desiring. If it's something that is good to be desired, then keep it, but recognize that with desire comes sacrifice, comes suffering, comes struggle. There, there is going to be that when you desire something. You can desire for somebody to have faith, but it's going to bring uh, some sort of suffering, some sort of sacrifice on your part in order for you to help that person or to, for you to do your part in helping that person. It's your responsibility to do that. And all of us should be digging into the desires we have and correlating them to the struggles that we have. And then we can make a conscious, logical decision whether I still want to continue this desire or I don't. And there are things that you can acquire a taste for and there are things that you won't acquire a taste for. And there's various reasons. I'll give you a quick example. When I was in high school, I, I was one of the ones that on the weekends, we, our group, we went out, uh, we did a lot of drinking, but there was uh, a couple people who smoked pot and I was adamant against uh, drugs. But one weekend in a drunken state, I tried pot and I guess it, because I was so drunk, it didn't have an effect. I was like, I'm not doing that again. So I didn't even, I didn't even come close to building any kind of desire for doing that because I made a decision. I broke. I was like, no, nah, not for me. I, that, that's no good for me. Uh, where with the alcohol, that was my desire, but I didn't realize then what I know now that the, the headaches and the, the feeling miserable the next day and a couple of days after is just, it's not worth it. Uh, but I had to come to a point when I was probably about 26, 27, when 
I reverse engineered that the alcohol perspective that no, I don't, I don't like the way this feels. I'm not going to be like this. And then work in a process in the opposite direction. But that's the, the aspects of what we're talking about is that there are things that you will taste and be like, nope, not for me. And if you do that, you're not going to desire it. You're not going to work towards acquiring a taste. It's when you're like, huh, I like that. And then you start in that process of moving. And this works in any aspect, even including God. If somebody presents this truth of God to you and you're like, oh, no, I don't want that. That's not, that's not for me. Okay, well, then you're not going to acquire a taste for God. That That's just a fact of it. And you'll, <clears throat> you'll find out in the end that you should have acquired a taste, but it's not going to be forced. And if God's not going to force anybody to do anything, we shouldn't try to force anybody to do anything. If God's not going to sit there and try to convince you, then we shouldn't try to convince people. We should look for the brokenhearted, the ones that have the soil open. If they're, if they're Christianity, they've broken to Christianity. I don't, I know that something's, something's not right. Uh, if, if they're not broken to that, we need to leave them alone. We need to just say, look, go on. Now, if somebody comes to us from Christianity or from another religion, they want to talk about it, then we can give them the information, but then it'll be up to them as to whether they're going to break or they're going to hold on to what they have. I have a brother who twice at least so far has come to me and he broke towards Christianity. He wasn't, he had, he was at a point where he was breaking, but he broke towards Christianity and not towards God. And so I can do nothing for him. And so he gets in a, a major accident and he's been in a, a long recovery of that accident. And a lot of people, my family members have gone down to visit and gone and been there and they call and they, oh, I'm praying for you. And what can I do for you? I can heal you physically. I'm not going to come just be a presence so you can just feel good that I'm there. That if you want to know the truth of God, then come to me when you're broken and I will be more than happy to sit down and talk to you and uh, give you information if you want it, but if you're not, and I've had times in the past where I've talked to people thinking I was convincing them and, uh, they were just sitting there in one ear and out the other in one ear and out the other. And, and I've learned and in the process of learning that if somebody doesn't come to you for the, uh, intent of wanting to know the truth, then figure out what they want and send them on their way. Just, just deal with it and go on because I can only like with my brother, I can only help him. Any of my family members, I can only help them if they want to know the truth of God. If they don't, I, I can do nothing for them. And what good is it for me to uh, put on this big show and this display or try to convince you that go to them and you're wrong and you shouldn't, Oh, we got a podcast. If you want to listen to it, listen to it. If you, if you're broken, then you'll dig into your, your spiritual life. If you're not broken, 
you won't dig into it. And, and I can do nothing about it. I cannot force it, uh, nor will I at this point, because that's not the objective goal. You want to know the truth of God? Now, again, if somebody who's not broken, they come like uh, the Methodist preacher came to us out of curiosity. Well, we're going to tell you what the truth is, but I'm not going to try to convince you. We tell you to the point that you break and you either break for God or you break for your Christian faith or your Muslim faith or your uh, Hindu faith, whatever it is. Anybody who breaks for God, who has that plowed field, that's who we can help. And we're only an assistant because the individual themselves, the healing's going to come from the inside out when they break when they recognize, when they start working on their field, when they start uh, plowing their own field and getting rid of the rocks and getting rid of the weeds and taking all that stuff out, and then God gives them the increase. God then takes over and helps them. It's just like we've talked about with physical healing, that the surgeon can only do so much. Once the surgeon's done, you're not completely healed. Okay, go back to work. No, they're assisting in the healing. But you, have, my wife just recently having surgery, she's not back to doing what she was doing before she had the surgery because she has to heal from the inside out. The body has this beautiful aspect of healing, and it's the same thing with the mind. People don't understand because they're dishing out uh, medications for depression in just infathomable uh, amounts to, to get people coping with depression where that's no assistance. The assistance is telling somebody who's broken, who's plowed, who wants to change what the problem is and get them digging into themselves and making changes. And when they dig into themselves and make changes and obviously optimally with faith in God, when they start making those changes, they will come out of that depression, but it won't be you. There's no psychiatrist or psychologist that can heal you. It's an impossibility. The only person that, that can heal you truly is God with you and you from the inside out, from the inside of your psychology, your, your psyche, from you have to start changing things in your mind and then get them into your subconscious in order for things to change. Taking a medication does none of that, and it benefits nobody at all. But if you are doing it because you have to, because you're obligated to it, not because you decided, you know what? I don't want to feel like this anymore. I'm not. I'm going to figure this out. Okay, then you can start the process of healing, and then a psychologist and a psychiatrist can help you to get on a, on a path or on a track, but that's just a seed planted. You have to do the work. You have to cultivate the ground. You have to pick the weeds out. You have to get rid of the rocks. You have to do your part to make sure that you're doing what is right and appropriate before God and before, uh, even for yourself in a worldly perspective to be able to overcome aspects of worry, anxiety, depression, and that can be overcome. I know this from personal experience. Now, I, I would not say that I 
I could recognize that I ever had a depth of depression, but definitely uh, worry, anxiety, anxiety to the point of panic attacks. Um, I've had that and I don't have that anymore. And it's not because of any medication. It's because of learning the things from God, making changes. And no, I'm not, I'm not going to be like this anymore. And then I have to go through the process where it has to break. I I have to receive the information. I have to believe the information. And then when I believe, I believe in it, then it conceives that once it conceives, when you believe in something, now it can move, now it can grow, now it can increase. And that's the, the aspect of that. But it's when we look at acquiring a taste, even uh, good things and bad things are still an acquired taste for desire, that, that you eat something sweet, you decide, do I like this or yeah, it's okay, but it's not okay. Well, you, you won't be somebody who has an addiction to sugar, but you may be somebody who has an addiction to salt. And you ever seen somebody that first thing they do when the food comes out is they take the salt shaker and start dumping it before they start, before they taste the food to see, you know, does it really need a little bit of salt? And sometimes you just see them, you're like, Oh my gosh, how much salt. But that's because they've, uh, they've acquired that taste that they desire that taste. And so they're going to dump as much salt on it as they want. And you can sit there and say, you need to stop. You need to stop with that. That's not good for your heart or it's not good for this or that. And they'll be like, leave me alone. We just, this is what I, this is what I do. This is what I like. It's what I desire. And so that's, that's the aspect is that desire is not something that happens off the bat. Desire is something that is built and it's built over time. Uh, it can be a short time or it could be a long time. Obviously if something feels good and you're going to desire that, well, you're just going to do it as often as you can. And then you'll desire that where something that doesn't feel good or something that doesn't taste good is going to take a little more time for you to convince and change your mind. But once your mind is set in the change, then you can build that whatever it is up to the point that you desire it uh, in the uh, scheme of things and in the process of it. So ultimately what you do in consistency and without complaint and murmuring and frustration is what you desire. Because the things that you truly desire, more than likely, why would you complain or why would you be all upset about things? Well, and the only thing I would say to that would be to be careful of the subconscious uh, desire because you do have things that you desire subconsciously that you don't recognize or bringing those struggles. So I would say, yes, absolutely, from the uh, from the what conscious mind, right? What you right. recognize from the conscious mind, you're not going to intentionally do something that's going to bring uh, struggle unless you true do, you do desire it. But there are times uh, that we do have in the lower conscience something that we've desired we we don't recognize because it's in the subconscious, it's below the surface that we've programmed ourselves to desire, 
that it's actually bringing us more aggravation and agitation than it's worth, but we don't recognize because we don't correlate the two. We don't say, well, I desire this, and I like this struggle that comes from it. In our lower conscious, we're like, I like this. And in our upper conscious, we're like, why am I struggling with this? So there, there's just just bringing in that divide. So, And I know you were talking about the conscious mind, but just uh, for clarifications, I guess. I'll... No, that's all I had with it. It was just a... Um just thinking about the aspect of that when you, if you really want to do something and we talked about being from a submissive aspect that you really want to do it, then you'll get away from the complaining and the frustration, the frustration and the complaining. If it's in a consistent basis, more than likely there's some obligation tied to it that you feel like you have to do it. You're owed something, somebody wronged you because you owed me that there's some that, but if it's something that it's a, even if there is pain involved that you really want to do it, then, you would just do it and you would get away from, cause yes, we change our, our desires to where we'll get away from complaining because <clears throat> you can even set your mind that I'm going to, I desire, I'm going to desire <clears throat> to stop complaining. Well, you got to figure out why you're complaining first to change. Cause you're, there's some desire that's causing the complaining. Like you desire to get what you want and you're not getting it. And that's why you're complaining. <clears throat> but I was just going to say, we, um, Phil, this is a good stopping point. Unless you have anything to add, we've got a lot of good information here. Well, I do. Um, I just have a, a scripture that lays yeah. this out from a faith perspective. When we talk about the broken aspect yeah. and then bringing it to the full grown perspective for desire uh, and what it will look like in a faith perspective when you are broken in your Hindu or your uh, Islam or your Christianity, when you're broken to recognize that what you have is not true, is not right, uh, then here's, this is scripture from Second uh, Corinthians, and uh, it says, this is what this godly sorrow, so you have this godly sorrow, meaning that well, I recognize that I'm wrong and that, and that I haven't been doing this right, and I really need to uh, I'm going to make a difference. And if you truly have godly sorrow, because remember that same scripture talks about godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow brings repentance. Worldly sorrow brings regret. And if you have the repentance, the, if you have the true repentance, this is what it looks like. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done at every point. So that's what it looks like when you break and you decide you're going to desire the things of God, you have an earnestness and an eagerness to clear yourself, not clear others, not, not make somebody else right, but clear yourself. What indignation, you have indignation and uh, alarm and longing for yourself, this is how you build desire for the truth and the things of God. What readiness to see justice done at every point, and that point is back to yourself. And so this is just a beautiful piece of scripture that explains this is what the process is for you to get to a point where you desire the things of God, that you have to have 
First, you have to have the godly sorrow, which means you're broken and wherever you are, whether you're atheist, whether you're whatever it is, and then you see what the godly sorrow produces in you. And it will, if it is godly sorrow, you will have an earnestness and eagerness to clear yourself, indignation, longing and alarm and concern that you make sure you're doing justice for God at every point, not everybody else. You do that, then you can be an example of what the desired of God is. And you being in that position, you will be the desired of God. That you also give God an opportunity to build their desire for you. When you turn to them, then their desire for you is conceived. And if it's brought to full grown, then they will have a full-grown desire for you, just like you have a full-grown desire for them, so that whatever they want, you want to do, you're willing to do, and you will do it at any cost. And God will return that favor right back to you, that they will do the very same thing. And so it is important that people will dig in, find the broken. You got to be broken first, but once you're broken, once you recognize that you haven't been following the truth of God, that's when this can help you. That's when you can start the journey of learning to desire the things of God, learning to acquire the taste. And in order for you to do that, you have to truly want to do those things. So Sean, do you have anything else as we head out for this morning? Oh, y'all covered a lot of stuff. Very good. All right. Well, Lord willing, we'll be back on Tuesday for another aspect of truth. And anybody who wants to gain and have the desire for God, know that you have to break first. Don't think that just because we say it, it sounds good, or just because the Bible says it, or just because God says it. If you don't have a break of recognition that you've got a problem, then it can do no benefit or no help to you. But when you break, when you recognize that you have an issue, you have a problem, that's when you have the opportunity to move forward and to truly build that great desire for God. And when you build the desire for God, you will reverse engineer your desire for sin and your sin will go away and it will disappear at circumcision of the heart. So, Everybody have a good good day, and Lord willing, we will be back on Tuesday at 7.30 and see what God has for us. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God and you will be blessed by it.